I brought my um, red letter edition Bible with me today. Uh, do you know what that means, red letter edition Bible? It means that every word that Jesus spoke is written in red. Every quote uh, that Christ spoke, the authors penned them those words in red. And we find these quotations in uh, six books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, and the book of Revelation. And as we conclude this Mission Summit week, I didn't want to go there. (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, let me say this. Thank you Uh, for being a part of this great Mission Summit Week, something that we do every year. Uh, Thank you for attending the meals with the missionary. Thank you for praying for our missionaries. Uh, They were encouraged. They were affirmed. Uh, They love Calvary. Calvary is a great missions church. But again, as we conclude this week, I didn't want to go there because it's so easy to focus on the obvious quote by Jesus uh, when we have a week of missions emphasis. And, and, I, and there are other passages in Scripture, and I, and I considered those in relation to missions. And I wanted to go in a different direction, but I was reminded that this obvious quote very possibly could have been the very last words that Jesus spoke before he left this earth 2,000 years ago. It's in Matthew 28, the last few verses of this book. Let me read this to you before I read the quote. uh, Let's read a bit of the context. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, and this is uh, the passage that's in red in my Bible here. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Powerful words. Of course, these words are referred to as the Great Commission. In his final instructions, Christ states the goal and the responsibility of his church. This is the goal and the responsibility of Calvary Church. We are to take his message to people of all nations and cultures. This includes the responsibility of sending missionaries into every region of this world, North America, Latin America, Europe, Africa, Asia Pacific, Eurasia, Northern Asia. And these final words of Jesus are also recorded in the book of Acts. Look at what he said in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Again, this passage is written in red. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Can you imagine that moment? Listening to those final words that Jesus Christ spoke before he went up into heaven? Can you imagine the disciples clinging on to those words? And these words, this great commission, has been the mandate of the church ever since then. I like the way Edmund Hart sums up the great commission. Check out his statement. You'll see it on the screen. He says, all of us are given opportunities every day to do something significant for the kingdom. Now, I'm not sure if Mr. Hart was referring to the Great Commission with this statement, but I'm going to refer to it that way today. And there are two statements in this quote that stand out to me. First of all, the three words, all of us, all of us. This Great Commission applies to all of Christ's followers of every generation. This command of Christ was and is not an option. Christ's primary command, his final instructions, his last quotable quote was this Great Commission. And not just for the missionary, not just for the pastor, not just for the called, but all of us, all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ have a mandate to obey this great commission, all of us. Secondly, another statement that stands out in this quote are the two words, something significant. Something significant. Jesus promises his followers they would have the authority and they would have the power to proclaim and spread his message throughout the entire world through the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. Christ promised he would help us. He would help his followers, you and I, to fulfill this great commission. In other words, we are not alone we are not powerless as we obey this command. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 tells us the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us, lives in you, and lives in me. Do you believe that? That same power is available for you and I. The ultimate outcome, the ultimate outcome of the church this church is described by the Apostle John as he wrote the book of Revelation. Look at uh, chapter 7, verse 9. He writes this. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What a day that will be. And you know what? You and I are involved 
and helping make that happen. Isn't that cool? I mean, that is so awesome. Bill McGinnis, I get to be involved in making that passage happen. You know, <coughs> excuse me, I've had the unique privilege to travel around the world, 25 countries, and um, on every trip, every country I visited, at some point during a church service, during a worship service, I close my eyes and I stop worshiping and I just listen. I listen to the worship in another language. Nothing like hearing Latin Americans worship God. Nothing like listening and observing those in Masodi, South Africa worship God. I've often said, Bill, do not forget this moment. Do not forget this moment because someday that's what heaven will be like. What a day that will be. However, there are three challenges that most of us deal with in regards to fulfilling the Great Commission. Three challenges. And I'm going to refer to them as the three M's. The three M's. The mean, the median, and the mode. Yeah, these three M's are three different measures of average as it relates to statistics. All right? So we're going to have a math lesson today. Are you ready? Pen? Or get a uh, piece of paper and a pencil. Here we go. Let, let me define the mean, the median, the mode. You probably remember that once I get going here, but he, here's how it works. The mean is the basic value. So look up here. We have seven numbers in our data set. 5, 9, 13, 18, 21, 21, 25. And so to determine the mean, you add up those seven numbers, and since there's seven of them, you divide them by seven, and the mean for this data set is 16. How are we doing? Okay, some of you are like, say what? <laughs> and then we have the median. That is the middle value, the middle number in our uh, data set. So you look at the seven numbers, three above, four, or three below. The middle number is, very good class, 18. And that is our median. And then we have the mode. And the mode is the number that occurs the most in our data today. So you look at our numbers. Which number occurs the most, class? Oh, A plus, 21. Yes, 21. Now, mean, median, mode, three different measures of average. Here's the dilemma. When it comes to the Great Commission, many of us are comfortable with the three M's, the mean, the median, and the mode. For example, the mean which is the basic average, the more that others are involved in the Great Commission, like those missionaries, go for it, go for it. You can do it. The more of them that do it, then the average will be a little higher. So, so I'm okay just being average or just being kind of there as others do kingdom work. Let the missionary take care of the Great Commission. And you know what? 
I can be comfortable with that. <coughs> Excuse me. The median. You know, there are half of those doing less than me. So you know what? I'm above, I'm doing pretty good. And even though the other half are doing more than me, you know what? I'm in the middle. That's cool. I can be comfortable with that. And then we have the mode. Of course, that is the number that appears the most. You know, if others are exactly kind of stuck where I'm at, <laughs> right in the middle, you know what? We can be comfortable with that. But when it comes to the Great Commission, the three M's are not good enough. You know, I grew up accepting that the best I could ever do was average. It wasn't my parents' fault. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, you know, I uh, was an average student, worked hard, but, you know, things just kind of came a little slowly for me, if you know what I mean, okay? And so I was going through my report cards the other day. Um, <clears throat> sixth grade, Mr. Amy, 1973. <laughs> Arithmetic, C. Science, C minus. <laughs> sixth grade. Social studies, B. Writing, C. And my assistants say, you got that right. <laughs> Reading, I got an A. <laughs> Spelling, I got an A. And, you know, again, worked hard, but, you know, then I came across this one from my junior year of high school, whatever year that was, 1979. Okay. Um, psychology, C+. Plus. Composition, a minus, not bad. I think she was being kind. Um, history, C minus. Math, B minus. Choir, I got an A. <laughs> you know, so I told myself because of my academics, my personality, who I was wired, how I was wired, average was good. And I should be happy with that. But then I went to college. And I did something really radical for me. I was the backward kid and kind of sat at home and didn't, I mean, I was, yeah, whatever. And, uh, but I wanted to use my college career to launch me into, into life. And so I went 12 hours away to college. Um, I didn't know a single soul. I was there by myself. I didn't know my roommate. I knew nothing except one suitcase and one box. Here we go. <laughs> and I made a commitment. I felt like God was speaking to me and saying, you know what, Bill? I've got better plans for you than just your acceptance of being average. You're better than that. I've got a plan and a destiny for you. I felt that. I sensed that. And so I made a personal commitment. I didn't tell anybody this, but I made this personal commitment. Okay, four years of college, no C's for me. I'm not getting any C's. So for me, 
<laughs> I had to work hard, all right? So I signed up for classes. My advisor met with me, and uh, we put together a schedule of classes, and every freshman had to take Biology 101, and that class was closed. So I said, you know what? Not a big deal. Let's put you in zoology. <laughs> okay. Zoology? Probably go to the zoo and look at animals. That's cool. I can do that. <laughs> So first day of class, I'm sitting in zoology. I'm 18. I'm a punk. I'm looking around the room. I'm like, all these people look a bit older than me. What's going on? And then Dr. Blizzard walked in the room. Yeah, what's his name? Blizzard. <laughs> Passed out the syllabus. I'm reading through the syllabus. The first line says, zoology 301 for junior and senior science majors only. I said, oh, dear Gussie, <laughs> what am I going to do? Then he passed out the book, the textbook. There were no pictures of animals in the book. <laughs> and I said, okay, here we go. And here's what I had to do. Beginning that freshman year, I knew that things come a little slower for me, <laughs> so I couldn't study in my room. I couldn't study with, with people around with music blaring. I made a trip to the library every evening after dinner across campus, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights. I took Friday night off. Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, I planted myself in the library because I saw that as my worship unto God, God had called me to be a student during the season of my life, and I wanted to do the very best that I could do. I was shooting for A's and B's. And that was tough. I mean, after dinner, walking across campus to the library, I saw students. They were like tossing a football, spinning the, the, the Frisbee, sitting around just, I'm like, how can they do that? I went to the library. Found myself a cubicle and was there from about 5.30 to 10.30 every night. And that first zoology test, I studied 10 hours for. And I got a B. Yeah, I got a B. And you know what? Within that year, I had made the dean's list. I'm not all that great, but I had to work hard. <laughs> and again, that was my worship under the Lord. Here's what happened. I made a decision to be an outlier. An outlier. Well, what's an outlier? That's a unique term. Well, in statistics, you see on the screen that an outlier are numbers that are well above or well below the rest of the value. So we've got our same data. This time, we added some high outliers. So we've got 5, 9, 13, 18, 21, 21, 25, and then we added 100 and 2013. So let's go through our lesson again. We're going to go backwards. The mode, that's the number that occurs the most, is still 21. The median will not change a whole lot. It's the number in the middle. It will rise to 21, but this time... 
when we discover or when we determine the mean, we add up our data, we divide by nine, and this time the mean, the average, is 247 because we added some outliers. Here's what we need to consider today. The week of this past week, this mission summit, the missionary guest, the flags, the posters, the music, the meals with the missionary are all designed to help raise that mission's mean. Those are outliers to help us raise that average. But what would happen if we threw a few additional mission outliers into the mean? What if some of us became mission outliers? Let me give you a definition of a mission outlier. One who is markedly different from the others. Calvary Church, like I said, is a great missions church. But if we're not careful, because we're Americans in 2015, we can come to church on a Sunday morning, sit back in the former theater chairs, get comfortable, and rock a little bit, enjoy a good service, participate in a few programs, and be content, be comfortable with our role in the Great Commission. But I believe that the church, this church, God has called us to do more than just sit back and rock on a Sunday morning. He has called us to become mission outliers for his kingdom, for his cause. And everyone said, amen. A mission outlier is one who is markedly different from the others, one who is distant from others. Taking that walk to the library every evening after dinner was kind of like my, my outlier. It was like, oh, I don't want to have to do this. After I had a good meal and my tummy was full and I had to drag, I mean, some nights I, I had to drag myself to the library, but I had to do it. Because I knew what my goal was. Let's look at it this way. God is calling not just an average 3M American follower of Christ, but someone who has asked the Lord to take them out of a life of serving themselves. That's what God wants from the American church. Not just serving myself, but becoming an outlier and going beyond Myself. Check out this question. What could we do to raise the mean of the body of Christ as an outlier as it relates to the Great Commission? What could we do? When you came in today, you were given this resource, and um, I want you to take it out and look at it with me for just a moment. Uh, this is a great resource to help you to understand how missions works here at Calvary. And so let's look at the front page for just a moment, and you'll notice three areas of ministry that we are actively involved in in regards to missions. So let's look at it this way. Let's begin by with, with praying that we see there. Are there mission outliers at Calvary who will pray, who are markedly different from the rest. Wouldn't it be amazing 
the one time a month, we call it our Missions Connect on a Wednesday night here at 7 o'clock. We meet in here. Wouldn't it be amazing that in the near future, so many people gathered here on a Wednesday night, we would have to direct traffic or direct people into another room. Wouldn't that be cool? That's my prayer. It's my prayer that 500 people once a month who understand their role in the Great Commission, who are willing to be a mission outlier, will step up to the plate, take 90 minutes out of their month, and pray for the world. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? The next Missions Connect is November the 4th. Okay? Giving. Are there mission outliers at Calvary who will give? Remember, an outlier, markedly different, distant from the others. Is it possible to envision hundreds of new faith promise givers from Calvary? Now, a faith promise, as you see in this handout here, a faith promise is not your tithe or a portion of your tithe. Your tithe belongs uh, to the Lord. It's the first tenth of your income, and it belongs into the church. A faith promise, however, is a sacred spiritual agreement between you and God as you commit yourself to give faithfully for the sake of the world. You see, what happens, becoming a faith promise giver helps us to partner with and support on a monthly basis the list of the missionaries that you see on the back part of this resource here. 146 missionaries and ministries we partner with on a monthly basis. In order to do that, we need faith promise givers to give. Faith promise giving, huh? What do you mean? You know, I annually at least make, I evaluate my faith promise giving. And I ask the Lord to help me to choose an amount that I will give monthly for the sake of the world. And um, it's not always an amount that I think I can afford, but it's amount that God places in my heart. And you see, here's what's happening. Um, and this is really cool, but it's a bit of a challenge. And I, I, I always like to take this Sunday of the year to explain a few things. Um, many of you give to missions, and, and God has spoken to your heart to give to a particular missionary, and that is awesome. Um, if God tells you to do that, you need to obey him. But we need faith promise givers who will just give to missions on a monthly basis so that we can keep these guys on the field doing the work that God has called them to do. So if you notice, if you give online or if you have an offering envelope, you'll see the mark of the place that says tithe and it says missions. That missions line, you, when you give to that, it helps us to support these missionaries. How are we doing? Okay. One more challenge about giving. <clears throat> I'm a firm believer that when we give to missions, we should give so that it hurts a little bit that maybe we would give something up in order so that others around the world could be given the gospel. 
um, by a missionary. Um, and I won't, I'm not going to give you examples. Well, let me give you one, okay? Um, when I was a youth pastor, our students gave $20,000 $20, a year, and, and we helped them to see that to do that, you need to give something up. So, you know, take that can of Coke and don't buy it. Take that 50 cents and give it to missions. I mean, we all are carrying some kind of a coffee drink. I mean, you know, give something up for a day or two a week and take that cash and give it to missions and see how God will bless, how he will bring purpose and power into your life as you give. Uh, research has found that the best financial investment in missions is through the local church as the church supports individual missionaries who are reaching the lost, planting churches, training leaders, and touching the poor and suffering. I am so grateful that my parents taught me early on the power of giving, first of all, my tithe, and then to missions. It has given, like I said, purpose and meaning to my life. There's nothing like obeying God. Giving generously is not an obstacle, but an opportunity. Giving generously is not a burden, but a blessing. Giving generously is not about money, but about faith. And then what about going? Are there mission outliers who will go? Now, of course, we sponsor a short-term missions trip, and you've heard my, my feeling about this. Everyone should go on a, on a missions trip at least one time in your life, and we will provide opportunities for you in the months and years to come. But I am praying that in the next 10 years, some who may be sitting here today God will call at least a hundred of us, us, you, <laughs> well, maybe us, to go full-time into missions, like the missionaries that were here this past Sunday. You heard some of their stories. Wouldn't that be amazing if Calvary became a full-time sending church, sending people, members, attenders of Calvary throughout the world to fulfill his great commission? Okay, sympathy is no substitute for action. I want to thank Corey Robinson. Uh, through his Facebook blog called Deeper Waters, uh, my thought, my direction came from one of his blogs. Um, and Corey states this, that more than likely God is not too interested in the three M's, the mean the median, and the mode. Corey says, more than likely, God is more interested in outliers. Narrow is the road, and few find it. By the way, that's written in red. <laughs> Away from me, I never knew you. That's written in red as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 12 through 15, I'm reading from the Living Bible today. But there are various kinds of materials that can be used to build on your foundation. Some people use gold and silver and jewels, but some build with sticks and hay or even straw. There is going to come a time of testing at Christ's judgment day to see what kind of material each of us as builders have used. 
All of our works will be put through the fire so that all can see whether or not it keeps its value and what was really accomplished. Then every workman who has built on his foundation with the right materials and whose work still stands will get his just reward. But if the house he has built on earth burns up, he will have a great loss. He himself will be saved from eternal judgment, but only like a man who escaped through a wall of flames. Wow. (laughs) This pastor is challenged today. Because you see, this passage tells us there is a future judgment for God's people, for you and I, based on the degree of our faithfulness to God and the opportunities given to us during this life on earth. In that judgment, there is the possibility that a believer, although spiritually saved, okay, you're good in regards to your eternal soul, but it's possible many may experience a great loss on that great day of judgment. You see, the average Christian, the 3M Christian, is in danger of experiencing loss through potential rewards. God has rewards for you and I, but if we sit back and are just happy and comfortable with the average, we may miss some of those rewards. God has great opportunities for us in heaven, for you and I, but if we just sit back in our comfortable seats and rock a couple times on Sunday morning and check that off our list, it's possible we may miss some of those divine and heavenly opportunities. And we will experience a great loss. Our works, our faithfulness, our motives, our devotion, someday will be tried by fire. Tell you what, I'm challenged. (laughs) Only that which withstands this fire is what matters. We spend so much of our lives trying to avoid the fire of you know where that we forget we have forgotten about the fire in heaven. When we stand before Christ on this day, there will only be one value in the data in the data set of our life's work, and that is were you an outlier? Were you a mission outlier? Were you someone who did not settle for average. All of us, back to that quote by Edmund Hart. Let me share this with you again. All of us are given opportunities every day to do something significant for the kingdom of God. Every day. Now, that, those two words, something significant, still bothers a lot of us. And the reason why is because we focus on the word significant. Significant in our minds means that I've got to be, woo, to change the world. Or I have to be a missionary. And if God tells you to do that, go for it. Or I have to do that. You know what? Let's focus not on the significant, but on the something. Can you imagine what would happen in our city, in our community, and in our world if two-thirds of us just did something? That something then becomes significant in the kingdom of God. 
I am living for your glory on the earth. If we can walk out of here today as a church, as followers of Christ and say, God, I no longer live for myself, but I live for your glory on this earth. We are becoming outliers for him. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't that be just beyond belief? Don't settle for the mean, the median, and the mode. Be a mission outlier, markedly different from the others. Now, we got to understand this before we leave today. You see, the impact of your faithfulness as an outlier may feel small on this earth. Flipping French toast in South Toledo may seem small, (laughs) but someday in heaven, that becomes real significant. Because more than likely, there'll be hundreds and thousands of people you have influenced by flipping French toast and by praying for the world. B. Bowman, a dear, dear saint of this church, passed away in 2000. She was just shy of 100 when she, when she passed away. And for years, I visited with B. B had been a widow for 40 years. Her only child passed away in 1980. And so for 20 years, she was all alone. She had nobody except this church. And so she lived right off of Reynolds Road. And most often, I drive that way back and forth every day. I, I think it'd be all the time. What a sweet, sweet lady. And when I would go visit B, she would give me her monthly offering in her envelope. Since it's been 15 years, I think I can convey some of this. She won't care now. <laughs> but B um, lived on less than $700 a month, and she gave faithfully her tithes and her missions offering of $20 every month. that doesn't make a big difference. It doesn't. In the kingdom of God, God can take that $20. And you see, that $20 was a huge sacrifice. And he can multiply that and multiply that and multiply that because she wanted to be a mission outlier. B. Bowman probably didn't influence a whole lot of people on this earth but in heaven, because of her faithfulness and praying and giving, heaven has been impacted. A mission outlier for the sake of the world. That is our call. That is our mission. And that is the Great Commission. Would you, would you bow your heads with me this morning? And so, God, thank you that you have entrusted the Great Commission to us. It is your plan, it is your purpose that we follow and obey your last words. And so God, I pray that you would raise up in this local body mission outliers who will pray, who will give, who will, who will go for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.